Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. Um, but hey, uh, so we're starting this new series called I'm Leaving. And I, I got a really, really funny text yesterday from a friend. And um, so a friend said, hey, this new series, I'm leaving. Uh, this doesn't mean you're resigning at the end of the series, does it? And I'm, and, and I'm like, that's hilarious. No, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and so just, just bear with me. Hey, think figuratively, I'm leaving. And so what, is this, what does this look like in our lives? I thought that was hilarious. Way, way more funny than you guys thought. But anyway. But... Listen, we leave all kinds of things in life, don't we? You know, throughout the course of our life, you know, we might leave a friendship. We might, we might even leave a church. We might leave restaurants. Um, have you ever just, I know I walked into a restaurant one time. I took one look at the menu and knowing what I was going to get there. And I literally just got up and walked out. I, I left. I'm like, I'm leaving. This is, this is crazy. And um, <laughs> I feel like I've done that more lately since inflation's hit. But hey, um, but, but, you know, we leave all kinds of places. We, you know, sometimes serious things like families or, or cities. Maybe you left a city and moved to another. And many times we leave based on a feeling. We leave based on feelings like anger or frustration or bitterness, or we think that the grass is going to be greener on the other side. We think we're going to have a better life. And so we, we take things in our own hands and we say, I'm leaving. And have you ever noticed that, that so much of the time, maybe you or people that you've seen in your life, we leave one thing, like let's say we leave a difficult relationship, but then we step into bitterness. Have you ever done that? We think, oh, I'm going to take control and I'm going to step out of this. And, and, but all we did is step into something even worse, bitterness. Or we leave a church, but we step into isolation. Or we leave a family, but we step straight into a self-centered and selfish lifestyle. Or we leave a city, but we realize the grass isn't greener on the other side, and our problems just followed us from here to there. We moved geographically, but not much else changed. Have you been there? We leave all kinds of things. But many times we forget that when we decide to follow Jesus, we leave things behind too. We leave things behind. But many times we forget this. And many times Jesus is just an addition to your life instead of a transformation. Many times we decide to follow Jesus, but instead of leaving things behind us and going a new way, we, do, we just try to pick up Jesus and take him with us on the journey that we were already going on. Instead of leaving what we need to leave behind and follow Nothing major really changes. Just a few minor behavioral modifications. Have you been there? Because I know that I have. Guilty as charged. Times when I've just tried to take what I want from Jesus, take the good things, but, but leave some things in my life that I should have left behind. Colossians 3.3 3. <clears throat> kind of blows up this idea that many times we have, especially in our Western culture, of individuality. And that's what we're leaving today, this is the topic. And so, and, and before you get all bent out of shape, just, just hear me out. 
Colossians 3.3, it says, for you died to this life and your real life. Everybody say real life. You died to this life. That's what baptism symbolized today. People dying to their old life and, and coming alive into a new life in Christ. And so you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. A little bit later in Colossians 3.10, it says, put on your new nature. Everybody say new. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I love that word, verse because one, it says that, hey, you've got a new life. Your real life is in Christ Jesus. Secondly, you've got a new nature and we're learning to know our creator and become like him, which tells me it's a process which means if you haven't arrived yet, welcome to the club. If you're on the journey and you're still figuring this thing out, welcome to the club. I'm so glad that you're here today. This is not a church for perfect people. This is not a church if you have everything figured out. This is a church for people that are saying, man, I don't have it figured out and I just, I'm trying and I'm learning every day to become more like Jesus, amen? And so today we're gonna talk about leaving individuality. Once again, before you get too uptight, you know, you got to remember, individuality is a cornerstone of Western thought. In case you didn't know, we live in the West. And so we know, we know that every person God created, he created uniquely individual. And so we're not taking away from that during this series and, and talking about individuality today. We're not taking away from that. God made everybody different. There will never be another you. Never. That's why you should never compare yourself to somebody else because there's never been another you and there never will be. And it's not just your fingerprints. A lot of times we think, oh, you know, my fingerprints. It's not just your fingerprints. Did you know there's eight things about your body that are uniquely you? Just like your fingerprints, the iris in your eyeball, it's unique to you and you alone. Your ears, <laughs> no one has the, the shape and curvature of your ears Exactly. Did you know that? Your voice can be used as a biometric. It's unique to you. Doesn't matter how good of a, of a what do they call those guys that, that copy other people's voices? It doesn't matter. Your voice is uniquely you. Your tongue, the wrinkles and the, the, the whatever makes your tongue your tongue is unique to you. Your footprint, just like they can use your fingerprint, they can use your footprint. It's unique to you. Your walk, the gait with, it, with, with which you walk. Have you, ever, have you ever seen somebody walking and, and you didn't have to see their face, you could tell by their walk who it was, right? My wife says, I know when you're walking to the house because it's like, <laughs> right? She said, I've got heavy feet, apparently, and she knows when I'm coming, right? Your walk is unique to you. Your lips, the wrinkles on your lips. No, not, we're not talking about the crow's feet and the, the, the wrinkles you, all, all you guys want to fix. No, just, just the natural wrinkles in your lips, unique to you. Your teeth, unique to you. So we're not taken away from uniqueness today. God knows you better than you know yourself. He made you just like you are. He knows how many hairs are on your head. The birthmarks, I'm not gonna tell you where mine is, that's, that's TMI, but your birthmarks, you know, it's unique to you. No one else has it. He put them there. But our culture, on the flip side, 
is fascinated with the thought of finding yourself or becoming yourself or being yourself. And they say things like, just do you, which in some respects is, is really good advice. But, but sometimes we just get lost on that journey. Can I get an amen? We get lost on that journey. We go on journeys to find ourselves. I'm not sure how that works because I've been with myself my whole life. That was a joke. Some of you get it later. But you know, we, we take these personality tests and we look at wiring and nurture versus nature and, and, and sometimes it's just, it's just mind-numbing. And in a journey to find ourselves, many times we become infatuated with ourselves, believing, falling to the lie that somehow we are the point. That it's all about us. And yet, on the flip side, we're, we're all trying to be ourselves and, and do you and, and all that, but you look at teenagers and, and, and you know, they're, they're into things and, and they're, oh, they're just, they're just doing them, but they all look alike. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> they all look alike, you know? And, and that happens as adults too, right? We, we pretty much conform and there's, because there's this immense pressure to conform and people please. And, and so there's this, there's this push and pull. But for centuries, people have been trying to find themselves and end up figuring out that they need something beyond themselves to fill the void. And you might be feeling like that this morning that, man, I, I've been trying to figure out who I am and I'm, I'm coming up empty. Why? Because there's a God-shaped hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. And so many times we just slip into real hypocrite mode What's a hypocrite? It's a person who says one thing and does another, and a person who, whose actions don't always line up with what they say they believe. And in one way or the other, we're, we're, we're all kind of hypocrites sometimes, right? Did you know that the word hypocrite, it actually came um, from, from, from the Greek in way back when, when there was, they were doing plays, like theater, and they would call the, the, the actors, they were called hypocrites. And the, the interpretation, it is really interesting. The, the exact interpretation of the word hypocrite is an interpreter from underneath. And that bizarre compound makes more sense when you know that the actors in the ancient Greek theater, they wore large masks to mark which character they were playing. And so they interpreted the story from underneath their mask. So they all put on this mask. And they tried to be somebody. And so that's where we get the, the common day word hypocrite. And so we all have this push and pull. Who am I? Who was I created to be? Man, I've got all these different voices trying to tell me what I should be. How in the world do I find my true identity? How do I know the difference between my true self and my false self? I feel lost on the journey. So that's the big question today. And we have to be careful because the Bible tells us something really important. It says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And so I don't wanna go on this kind of journey figuring out who I am as an individual without someone really smart leading the way. And so how do we discover our true identity? We're gonna to go to scripture today because it's our guide for life. And so Romans 12, one through two, you maybe have heard these verses before, maybe not, but they're incredible. Let's dig in today. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, 
I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen, let's pray today. God, I pray that your word that we just read gets deep and down into our soul, into our spirit. God, help us to understand how this works, that our real life is hidden in you. God, that you want us to not copy the world, but be transformed. God, help us to figure out and put flesh to this today. As we apply your word to our life, give us wisdom in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, so the first thing, if we're gonna discover our true identity, if we're gonna leave the, a, a false version of individuality and, 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 and do it God's way, the first thing that you need to know today is that you are loved. You're loved. And before you think, oh, Joe, this is really fluffy, let me unpack it for a minute. This is the starting point. This verse we just read, Romans 12.1, it starts off and it says, and so, in another translation it says, therefore. And so anytime there's a transitional word like that, it's talking about, you know, in light of everything that was just said, let me give you some advice. Because of everything, and, and Romans is an incredible, incredible book. Romans was a letter that was written by Paul to the, the church in Rome. And Paul, throughout the previous 11 chapters of this amazing letter, he just got done with an epic explanation of salvation. Why we need it, how we get it, the fact that it's for everyone. He laid out the case that you and I, we were dead in our sin, but we can be made new in Christ, just like those who got baptized today. It lays out the fact that we all have a sinful nature, that we all fall short, but God. But God sent Jesus to die in your place on a cross. It lays out that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He loved you before you ever even knew that he loved you. He loved you with a love so big that it caused him to leave his throne in heaven, come and live a sinless life as a man, take on flesh, suffer and die and rose again for you and for me. That's how much you're loved. This is the book that says that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is the, the book that says there's no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. This is the book that says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you'll be saved. This is the book that says that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, Paul just spent 11 chapters explaining the intricacies of God's plan and how much he loves you and how much he loves me. This is where you start, friend. You have to know that you know that you know that you know that you are loved by God. Why? Because you don't find your identity by loving yourself. It doesn't start there. It doesn't. It doesn't start there. You don't find your identity by loving yourself. You find your identity by being loved. In the context of love, you find who you are. Love always comes first. Then you find your identity. 
You find your identity from experiencing love from the outside first. And we can't get the order mixed up. We can't. If you're going to go on, on a godly version of finding your true identity, it starts in a context of being loved from the outside first. Think about it. When a baby comes to this world, and, you know, it's amazing, right? And there's so many emotions and everything that goes along with, with that child coming, and, and his parents are so incredibly excited, and it's such a gift, and it's such a joy, and it's just amazing, right? But when that baby comes into the world, you don't just say, hey, baby, love yourself, <laughs> do you? We don't do that. You don't, you don't put a baby in a room and just say, figure it out. No, what do we do? We love and we nurture that baby as it grows. We love and nurture that baby into maturity. We teach that baby as it grows up and it becomes a toddler and, it, and then it becomes a, a pre-K and a kindergartner and an elementary school kid. All the while we're nurturing and we're giving that baby a context of love to grow and learn about life, right? That, that baby is loved long before that baby understands where it came from, who it is, who God is, any of it. It's loved first. And much of that baby's identity comes from the loving environment that it lives in. On the contrast, we see many identity issues arise when babies grow up in unloving environments. And in the same way, perhaps you've been in an unloving environment in life and you're really struggling with who you are. The first step is to know that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine to rest in that love. You're loved first. God loves you as you are, and he loves you way too much to leave you that way. And in the same, and you know, another, another way to say it is that no parent in the world ever wants a baby to stay a baby forever. You know, sometimes it's nice because we like the baby smell, and it's like, you know, my wife sometimes is like, oh, I just, I just wish we could have some babies in the house again, to which I'm like, nah. <laughs> like, no, no, I loved them during that season, but I want that baby to grow up. I want to go do some fun stuff with this baby. Once that baby can run and hike and, and, and play sports, and it's just, life is amazing, isn't it? And in the same way, Jesus loves you, when you're in your infant stages of your faith. He loves you way too much to leave you that way. And so it's in the context of that love that you learn who you are. But he loved you first. The second thing that we see in this passage is that after we know we're loved, the second step is to empty ourselves. And we're not talking about some weird new age, just, just empty yourself and, and just, you know, no, that's not what we're talking about. Listen to what it says. It says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You see, the people at this time, they knew about sacrifices, 
You know, and, and what would happen with the sacrifice, a lot of times it would get burnt up, completely consumed, gone. And it was so, like we're giving something that's important to us to something that's more important, and that thing just gets completely consumed. And so in the same way, you and I, instead of saying, this is my life, this is my way, this is my, these are my choices, no, we submit and surrender our lives to a loving God because of all that he's done for us, and we live lives that are like a living sacrifice. So we don't physically, obviously, you know, get burnt up and get consumed, but our lives are consumed with serving Jesus. Our, our lives, we are emptying ourselves. The, you know, Paul says it like this, I must decrease so that he can increase. Does it make sense? That I'm gonna become less and he's gonna be, become more. That we're gonna give ourselves completely, surrendering everything that we have to the one that loves us so much. How can we trust God, just like that song we sang today? Because he loves us that much. How, why can we say, God, use me however you want to use me. Do whatever you want to do with my life. I give myself completely and wholeheartedly to you. Why can we do that? Because we're, we are serving a loving God. And so what does that mean? It means that I'm going to come to God without preconceptions. I'm going to come to God without preconceived notions. I'm going to come with an open mind, completely surrendered to whatever he wants for my life, not the views of this world and not the, the preconceived notions that I had about what life should look like. For some of you, this is incredibly hard because you want to understand everything before you surrender. It's like you wanna have the whole contract, you wanna have every single I dotted and T crossed, and you wanna know what it entails before you sign on the dotted line. But I wanna encourage you today, you don't have to complete, understand completely to obey immediately. Why? Because it's called faith. Faith is the evidence for things hoped for, not what you see. You're believing and trusting in a God that loved you that much, that he's gonna hold you in the future as well. And that's why you can trust him with your life. I believe that there is something inside of you right now saying, this is it, this is real. You can trust God. And that, that voice inside of you that is saying that, that's the Holy Spirit leading you and drawing you towards him. And at the same time, maybe you've, you've gotten things wrong before. Maybe you were burned by a relationship. Maybe you have a hard time trusting people. And I would just encourage you, no one has ever loved you like Jesus. No one will ever love you like Jesus. No one has ever given up what he gave up for you like he did. And so you can trust him. You can empty yourself and say, God, have your way. Philippians 3.8 gives an amazing picture of what this looks like. Paul says, yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. So Paul is saying, I'm not just an individual anymore. I'm one with Christ. My life is hidden with him in Christ Jesus, and I'm becoming one with him. Everything else is garbage. I just want you, Lord. Amen? So we empty ourselves and we say, Jesus, I want to be closer to you no matter what it takes in my life. Number three, the third thing that we see in this 
passage is that we need to let ourselves be transformed. Sometimes you just gotta let the guard down and let God do his work in your life. Some of you really needed to hear that today. In Romans 12, two, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy, but let God transform you. Change the way you think. Then you will know God's will for your life. That's tough, isn't it? That we have to trust first. That we have to let God do a work in our life before we understand the big picture. That's really, really, really hard. Let God, not let pop culture, not let the the, the trends of the day, no, let God transform you into a new person. You have to yield to the right voices. You gotta yield to Jesus. He's the only one that can really change your life. There's so many voices out there that want you to conform, that want to put you in a box, that want to keep you stifled into a version so much lesser than who God created you to be. But God's voice is the only one that brings true transformation. God's voice is the only one that brings freedom to your life. God's voice is the only one who can show you what your true identity is in him. So don't conform, be transformed. Jesus loved you. You can empty yourself before him and then you can be transformed. And what does transformed mean? Transformed mean that that after Jesus is done with you, and by the way, it's a process, but after he gets his hands in your life and he begins to transform you and change your thinking, it's gonna be different than it was before. It's gonna be different. When something is transformed, there's a difference. And so I would just humbly ask you to ask yourself the question, since I've been following Jesus, is there any difference in my life? And if there's no difference in your life and if nothing has changed and if if there's not a little bit of tension between how you're doing life and how the rest of the world is doing life, then it could be, it could be that, that there's become a point in your relationship with God when you stopped letting God transform your mind. When you stopped letting him transform your thinking. And I'm not saying that to get on you today. I'm saying, why stop there? Why not let Jesus have his way in your heart and in your life? Why not let him give you new thoughts that aren't, con- that aren't comparing yourself to the world and, and, and all the expectations of this world, but instead giving you a new mind and a new heart? Many times, like I said, we want to know before we go. But you can't stay the same and follow Jesus. It's not how it works. Ephesians 4, 21 through 20, 24 says... Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off. I love just that that extreme sound there. I'm going to throw it off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, right? That man, before I knew Jesus, I was messed up. But we got to throw it off. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on. So we're throwing off and we're putting on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
Man, I can only be truly righteous and holy when I'm, I'm surrendered to Jesus. And it's not because of who I am or what I've done. It's because of what he did on the cross for me. Amen? Galatians 2, 20 through 21. My old self. You want to find your true identity? The first step is to know that you have an old self. And Jesus wants you to give you a new self. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I. Come on, somebody. It's no longer I who live. I found a new identity. But Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Wow. I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I. Some of you need to find what that looks like. You need to go on that journey that, that, that is like, man, how do I figure out what this new me is? That no longer I live. It's no longer the I that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. What does that look like for you? You got to let God transform. You got to let God renew. You got to yield yourself to the one that created you that loves you. Think about it, church. The disciples, they left their jobs and everything they knew, they knew to follow Jesus. I'm not saying you gotta leave your job. Don't do something crazy. But you gotta have that heart that says, Jesus, I'll do anything. So the disciples left their job. They went on a three-year journey of changing their thinking. Paul left the Pharisees. He was completely broken down before he was built back up. Moses, God broke him and then led him to lead the Israelites to leave Egypt. God had something better for them. God's got something better for you. Do you believe it? It's time to leave the old you behind. It's time to leave your old self, all the preconceived notions about who you thought you were and what your plans were for your life and the perfect American dream that you had set up for yourself and all the things that you wanted to check off the list that somehow in your mind made up the right kind of life. It's time to leave it behind. Let God transform your mind, give you new thoughts, give you a new future. Then you'll know God's will. Can I just encourage you once again today? Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Listen, you are loved. Let it sink in today, not just by anyone. You're loved by the creator of the universe. You're loved by your father in heaven. You're loved by his son, Jesus, who laid down his life for you on the cross. Don't let it just go right over your head because you've heard it before. Let it sink in. Let it go from your head to your heart right now in Jesus' name. You're loved. You're loved. And you can be forgiven. And now, right there at your seat, why don't you begin the process of emptying yourself? Say, Jesus, here's my life. A living sacrifice. I want to serve you with everything in my heart. I want to surrender my, my whole heart to you in Jesus' name. And then how about you pray right now and say, Jesus, transform me. Here I am. I, I yield to you.
transform me into a new person by changing the way that I think. I'm willing, Lord, to leave my old thinking behind, the old version of me that I thought was so special behind. And I'm going to follow you, whatever that looks like, whatever I have to lay down, I'll lay it down because you love me so much. You know what this sounds a lot like? It sounds a lot like in John chapter 3 when Jesus told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to completely start over. Not just add a little bit of Jesus to your life. It's time to have a completely new life. Amen? This is what it means to find out who you really are to find out who God created you to be. And so if there's anyone here that would say, Joe, that's me, I, I, wanna, I wanna start over. I wanna begin again. I want to n- accept the fact that God loves me. I wanna empty myself and I wanna let God transform me today. If that's you and you wanna begin a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time, if that's you, just raise your hand and say, that's me, here I am. I wanna know Jesus. Amen. I want to know Jesus. I'll give you another moment. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Is that you? I want to know Jesus. If you're sitting at your couch online at home, hey, raise your hand. Jesus sees you right where you're at. This is just a physical thing to say, hey, God, I'm here. He knows your heart. He knows what's going on inside of you. Man, if you raise your hand today, if you want to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray a prayer that sounds just like this. And you can pray it in your own words. Say, Jesus, here I am. I'm a sinner and I need you. I confess I need you. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose again on the third day. Help me to follow you with my whole life. Help me to not just give you a part of me, but the whole. I surrender all to you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.